Today on the Vergecast, the team breaks down the Galaxy Unpacked event, and we're sorry to inform you, Disney Plus not winning the streaming wars. Of course, we'll get into all the gadget news from this week. That's coming up right after this. Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking, so why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business. It's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Cast, the flagship podcast with folding phones. You wanted it, you got it. One hour. Phones that flip in half, phones that open up back up again, phones that turn into tablets. That's all we're no, we're gonna talk about a lot of things. But I'm <laughs> your friend Eli. David Pierce is here. Hi. I'm I'm just here to tell you that phones are cool that don't fold. My whole phone Did you doesn't not, fold. This I'm is good. The flagship podcast folding phones. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Kranz is here. I, I'm your friend that loves to open the phone with just like one thumb. Just like doing... Just boom, pop, flip. I'm trying to think of what the noise is okay. because I haven't used a flip phone in so long. In uh, 1999, yeah. I purchased a cell phone called the Sony Zuma CMZ200. It's the best phone ever made. <laughs> okay. It was... It unlikely. It was amazing. <laughs> I bought a used one. I have one at my house, like a perfect condition one. Dean and I used to talk about this all the time. Uh, it had a stock to yeah. open. Like the mic flipped down from the body of the phone. Yes. Never mind. This is a good phone. And so when it had the Sony jog dial, so it had like a you know had a multi element LED display to like I love it the text. So you'd like scroll to a name, and then if you could get it exactly right, you could make the call by flipping the stock open. Oh, yes. That's awesome. And then when you were done, you'd be like, Oh my gosh! And I practiced that move so many times, like in the mirror. <laughs> I gotta look cool. I was like, scroll and flip, baby. And my <laughs> friends in high school were like, one, why are you the weirdo with a cell phone? And two, stop saying scroll and flip. <laughs> but I have it again. It You're was the best. Like, no one look, of the best scroll, phones flip, ever Let's made. do this. And my all time top five cell phones, yeah. Sony Zuma CMZ 200. Just putting it out there. Scroll and flip. I feel you. Richard Lawler is here, by the way. I do exist. And I have bad news about streaming. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. So we have been remote for um, a million years. We're mm-hmm. all together in the studio today, which is crazy. It's this literally is, never happened. It's going to be the one. We the were first. The first time. We were just sternly told that we can't talk over each other because Andrew can't fix it in post like he can when we're all apart. <laughs> so this one's going to be nuts. But Richard is actually in town. I don't think he's been with us in person since you started at The Verge. Over a year now. That's crazy. But if you want to go all the way back to like Engadget podcast days – Richard and I worked together at Engadget. 
I used to see you in person all the time, but it was at like CES at like three in the morning. I'm like, there's Richard. My feet, I, mean, I need to lean over and touch the ground. <laughs> Richard is here. <laughs> but it's good to see you in person. We're all here. There's a lot going on. I want to start with a little update. Okay. There's a Samsung event we got to talk about. There's folding phones. There's Disney's happening. There's a little gadget lightning around. But we got to start with an update. Last week, we talked about HBO Max maybe dying, maybe living. Who knows what's going to happen? We said, when there's news, we'll have an emergency podcast. You have, may have noticed we had no such emergency <laughs> podcast because the news was like just a devastating nothing. Yeah. It was devastating, and they announced that they will eventually kill HBO Max. Right. Sometime next year. But for now, everything is cool. Yeah, it's all going to go on Discovery Plus's stack. So if you hate the HBO Max app, good news. So does the CEO of Discovery. Yeah. He also hates it. If you hate the HBO content, bad news. He also hates it. Yeah. No. It's so expensive. Yeah. It's so much cheaper to just like rebuild houses in Texas than to do other things. <laughs> <laughs> Game of Thrones is way more expensive than that. Um, they did have this slide where they talked about their franchises and they were like, Game of Thrones and Harry Potter, and then the 90-day fiancé universe. <laughs> this is a real thing they put on the slide. It was incredible. Yeah. Those were not good slides. There was like the male skewed ma males, apparently. Oh, you, yeah, guys, you guys love plots. Uh, yeah. You love scripts. Female skewed. We, we just love reality. That's not true, though. Yeah. <laughs> I got to send a note, but it was great. If nobody's getting married this episode... Alex I'm out. Is not <laughs> I'm out. I, I, I turn the TV off, fling the remote. So what they've decided to do is they are going to merge HBO Max and Discovery Plus. They haven't decided what it's called. Yeah. They're going to have a new app that's like all the content from HBO Max on the technology of the Discovery Plus app. Is the Discovery Plus app good? Does anyone know? No, see, the thing, used it? it might only be perceived as good because it never crashes, but that's because no one uses it. <laughs> yes. right. That's like, I, I think that might be the mistake they're making. But he, they seem to like it. It's fine. Yeah, like it is definitely possible that there are just 12 people using it, and so it's not a problem. But like the app is fine. It's not the like trash heap that HBO Max is. So that's good. Well, we think that, right? Because HBO Max, people actually use it. No, but the thing when but, you go to load HBO Max and it's like, oh, would you like to see some thumbnails for the shows you're watching? Come back in 30 to 40 minutes. Like at least Discovery Plus doesn't do that. Right. No, I'm saying that's because no one uses it. Like if you <laughs> maybe if, if it has 50 more million users, everybody get everyone you know and everyone else you know to Pull subscribe. Pull over your car and subscribe to Discovery Plus <laughs> yeah. right now. Log the promo in. code is decoder. <laughs> See if it works. Let us know. Yeah. Report back. So could it, could it actually hold up to a Game of Thrones premiere night ever? We don't know. Yeah. They think it will. So like I said, it was not, this news, as you can hear, was not worth an emergency podcast. Yes. But it is true that they are going to kill HBO Max, the app, and then relaunch it, maybe still called HBO Max on a new technology platform. And then that will also have the content of Discovery+. Plus. I think it's going to be HBO Doe. I mean, they do love the stupid names. Again, this, this is a company and they decided that they're – New corporate tagline is the stuff dreams are made of, <laughs> which is the Discovery Plus app. Uh, Just call it 90 Day Fiance, the streaming service. We'll, we'll come back HBO. to streaming because we, we got to talk about Disney, Disney, all kinds of stuff happening with Disney and Disney Plus. Uh, but let's start with uh, the gadget news of the week. Big Samsung event, Unpacked 95 or whatever it was called. Uh, it's it's called lost track. Unpacked <laughs> August 2022 is the actual name of it. That's 95 is better. Yeah. Send a note. Samsung. Un unpacked 1000. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They announced a bunch of stuff, David. Yeah, so it was 
this is like they do two unpacks every year. And the one is like here are all the phones that regular people want to buy. So they're like here's the Galaxy S and here is when like the Note is no longer a thing because that used to be their off time. But anyway, so the, the February event, I think it's February, is usually the one where they're like, here's the phones for regular people. And then this is like, here's the weird stuff we're building in Korea. And that's essentially what this was. So they announced the Z Fold 4, which is the phone that folds open. There's the Z Flip 4, which is the flip phone. Go on. I'm ready. It folds open? It folds Don't, open. They both fold they open. They do both fold open. <laughs> one folds and one flips, technically. Okay. So Sorry. There's Sorry. the Z Flip 4, which is just a flip phone. Because the clamshell flip phones are coming back, as Neil yeah. said, you can you can scroll and flip. Scroll and flip, baby, <laughs> it's back. Uh, and then there's the Z Fold Four, which is the one that's like a big long candy bar that opens up sideways into a tablet. And that's like when people talk about foldable phones, the Z Fold is basically the one that everybody talks about. It just like is the foldable phone that exists in the world. Uh, I don't know about that. I see more flips. Really? Because they're so much cheaper. They are a lot cheaper. So yeah, the the Z Fold Four, I think, is. 1700 bucks and the Z Flip 4 is $1,000, which is like not a lot in the fancy smartphone world, but for the Z Flip is for like a foldable phone is kind of cheap, but it's like the same price as an iPhone. But I don't think I've ever seen a Z Flip in the wild. Do you see these? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> poor Samsung. I, I was at the doctor's <laughs> office. The reception had a Z Flip 2 or 3. Unclear which one. And I was like, oh my God, you got a Z Flip. And she was like, I hate it. Oh, no. Instantly, no thought. <laughs> why? Like, why? And she's like, well, I have T-Mobile and there's not good service here. And I was like, well, that's not oh. the phone. Like, Do you hate the phone? Do you like the phone? And she's like, oh, also it loses all my text messages. My daughter has an iPhone and she can't text me. And like we never really talked about the phone. We talked about the, right. the universe of feelings that networks and messaging platforms have, which were – Really, it's like what we always talk about. <laughs> I was like, oh, you should come on the virtual. <laughs> uh, but it was like an immediate, like, I hate this phone. Like, I wish I had an wow. iPhone on, like, Verizon. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, somewhere someone at Samsung is like, none of this is our fault. We're so sorry. Yeah, that, <laughs> Take it, it up with it's Google. Like 1,000% <laughs> yeah. right. Like, I was like, but do you like the flippy? She was like, yeah, that's fine. But I don't have any service and I can't text my daughter. Like, at some point, that stuff is way more important than whether you have, like, a sky blue metallic folding phone, which is like, I would be like, that's all I want. Isn't that why, like, the iPhone does so much better? Right, because it has a proprietary messaging service. Yeah, mm -hmm. like, everybody's like, oh, it just works. We'll get to that. Sorry. That's coming yeah, up. Sorry. We literally will the get Dieter to that. The Dieter Bone Memorial RCS segment <laughs> is coming on the Vergecast. Um, so those are two phones. I, I will say that the Z Fold 4 is, like, still ridiculously expensive, right? Yes. It's like $1,800. Yes. Oof. And it's a very iterative improvement. Yeah, it's like, it's it's in sort of a weird spot where it's like now the Z Fold 4 like basically is as good as Samsung's other phones, which sounds mm -hmm. like a small thing to say, but it's actually kind of a big deal. <laughs> like it has, it has good specs. It has like a slightly less good camera than like the S22 Ultra, which is it's, you know, the note replacement, super high end, 6.8 inch. It's a monster of a phone. But it's like, Roughly as good as the rest of Samsung's phones, which has not been true of the Fold before. You used to have to make like weird sacrifices for, you know, durability and the camera was a lot less good and they've like slowly but surely brought that stuff up. And now it's like it's funny that we're to the point where foldable phones are just like iterating every year. But this seems to be where we are. It's like they're like, yep, we did it. It folds now. It doesn't break the first time you try to open it yeah. like it used to. So that's good. But then, yeah, it's just weird. It's like before anybody even started really using these things in a mainstream way, we're already at like a mature foldable market. It's very I mean, strange. It's just Samsung though, right? Yeah. Of one. Yeah, like, it is. Yeah. And that's because it's there's still like a little crease when you open it. Right. Yeah, the crease doesn't really bother me. Is the I have film to say. still there? 
Like, if you remove the film, does it still explode? No, no. you are not meant to remove the film. I know. <laughs> I think they've they they've landed on a treatment of the film that does not suggest it is removable. Right, Excellent. and that is the solve. It, it no longer looks like a screen protector yeah. the way that it used to. Yeah, rip. But uh, now the screen replacements are much cheaper now. It's like twenty nine dollars mm-hmm. if you have the Samsung plan. It used to be really ex- the like whatever the Samsung extended warranty is. Um, so like they've entered into a territory where they're to David's point, they're just normal phones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think especially the Flip Four, which is a thousand dollars, it's got flagship specs. It's got an S twenty two camera in it, the right processor, a bigger battery. It's like oh, that is kind of like Samsung's flagship phone. That's the one I'd get because you can put the, it in your pocket. You can put it in your pocket, but the fold the fold four still exists is like the monster that will usher in a new paradigm of computing. And I think actually all the attention belongs in the flip four. Yes. I totally agree. I think the yeah. flip four is like what phones should be. Like I'm I'm I want my current phone to stay the way that it is, but also be smaller and not be annoying when it's sitting on a desk. I want to be able to close it. That makes me very happy. Yeah. Uh, whereas the like, I got in a bunch of trouble because I wrote this story yesterday about. Uh, I just don't really think there is a point to the fold as a thing. It's like you can have a big phone, or you can have a slightly bigger phone that's also much thicker and way more expensive. Like, can, can I interest you in that? Like, <laughs> no. I just I. But then a bunch of people got really mad at me because they were like, no, it's it's a big screen. You don't understand. Big screens are magic. Yeah, but it's an Android tablet yeah. screen. Yes. If it was an iPad mini that you folded in half, I would buy it in a heartbeat for less than $2,000. I would probably not buy it actually for $1,800. So it's kind of like, do you, want, do you want an iPad mini that folds to be the size of an iPhone or do you want an iPhone that folds to be the size of an Apple Watch? I want both because they're different things. Fair. Wait, okay. Walk me through the I want an iPhone that folds into an iPad use case. That's what Dan does with his. So Dan Seifert. Yeah, he's got a fold through. Yeah, and he just like sits there and he opens it up and then he watches like all of Halo on it <laughs> because his wife is like, we are not watching that on the TV. Yep. You can watch that as you go to bed at night. And that's that would be my use case. Like I just want to be able to be like have do it in my purse. you know what else you can do that on is every other phone that exists. But big. It, not really. It's the So when you fold out the – Fold four. It mm-hmm. is a it's a seven point six inch screen. Yeah, which is like bigger than your phone for sure. Yeah, but is it like life changingly differently big from I'm, your phone? I'm gonna. So I've got a bunch of purses. <laughs> Liam, our producer, is nodding vigorously at me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, who I would remind you bought a Z Fold and then instantly returned it <laughs> twice. It's like not life changingly enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like life changing as many stages, but. But you can put it like if you have the fold, you can fold it in half, and then you can put it in a smaller purse yeah, yeah. than you could a regular tablet. But the reason you'd want it so to it be is, an iPad, yeah, is because then you would get the world of iPad software, right? And instead, what you get is the world of Android tablet software. That's why I don't have one. Okay, <laughs> just like okay. So then, walk me through the. I have a, a regular sized phone that folds into half that size. Pockets. Pockets. A lot of us do not have pockets that, like, work. I'm wearing some pants today, and they work, and it's great. You guys didn't have to hear me talk about it because I bought these pants not yesterday. But anytime you get a pair of pants and you can put your phone in it, it's, like, a huge event. Like, you text your friends and stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so, like, having a phone that you don't have to text your friends because you got new pants, game changer. Okay. I, I mean, I buy all of it. It's just, to me, the I have effectively stopped using my iPad because my phone is so big. Same. 
I'm like, there's yeah. not a lot that I want to jump up to iPad size on. And the last time I did it, I was like, all right, I'm going to, you know, there's a TikTok iPad app. So I was like, all right, like I scroll oh, yeah. through this a lot. I'm going to put this on this iPad. And I was like, oh, TikTok compresses the video for phones. So this is an objectively worse experience because oh, yeah. the video looks horrible. <laughs> and I will still spend – I had to delete TikTok because I would just like open my iPad mini and just be like, whoop. Oh, see, I didn't try it on a mini. I tried it on like a 9.7-inch iPad. Even worse. And Even was, worse. It's like a garbage iPad we had lying around. And you have to like flip it to the right side. It's yeah. terrible. I hate um, it. Richard, you have spent today talking about the two laptops that you use and the 49-inch <laughs> monitor that you sit in front of all day. So I feel like you are a person who appreciates screen real estate. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love screen real estate, not necessarily on my mobile device. Okay. And I'm, I'm fine with it being small. What I would like in a foldable phone is, number one, what if it gave me iPad-like battery life if I didn't have to charge it every day? Okay. You, into you, that. You hit that mark. Fold doesn't do it. I'm put there. them into the idea. Or, better yet, if it folded two different ways. And it had a keyboard, and it was called the Motorola MPX. Yeah. And you would sell me one right now. I would give you all of the money I have for it. Or the Nokia communicator. Yes. That, that I'm into. Uh, but what they're doing, the flip is interesting. I, I like being able to close my phone and hang up a call. That sounds good. Yeah. Also, the, uh, the flip, flip, when you close it, you open the camera, the selfie camera, because it's got that screen on the front, back. There's a screen next to the cameras. It has a name yeah. that I'm blanking on, but there's a screen in the back. That becomes their selfie camera, and then you can preview on that screen. And I love the idea of a high-quality selfie camera. And the way it kind of carries it around its own stand that you can have it mounted, you know, you can have it just sitting on the desk like an L-shaped sort of. Like, I, I like that idea. Wasn't that like— I don't, know, I don't know how good that is in practice, but the idea of it sounds good. Wasn't that the entire thrust of the presentation from Samsung? They were just like, you know what's cool? L shape. Like, <laughs> no, oh, but this is can... this is like every company that makes anything that can fold is like tent mode. <laughs> yes. Huh? Where was the tent mode? Uh, like all those like Intel two and ones for oh, the yeah. longest oh, time. My God. Like what you want is a tent. Because you're the, cooking. The future of computing is a tent shape. We need you to believe this and buy an Intel-based two-in-one convertible. <laughs> I bought the XPS two-in-one. It folded. I used it in tent mode once. Yep. <laughs> It was bad. It it overheated. The battery life wasn't as good. It was a bad idea. Why did you use it in tent mode? I, I was in the kitchen. You're supposed to be able to use it that way. You, you should be able to have a, res, a recipe up and you can scroll through it with the touch screen. It's going to be great. It wasn't great. But now you can – what if you had a smaller phone in tent mode, huh? No, it's L mode. They it's don't L do mode. tent mode. So it's little L mode. So you have to like get down there, squint at it. Yeah. Uh, so it is true that Samsung is like the only mainstream provider of foldable phones in this country. Mm-hmm. They've got the two. Like carriers discount the flip all the time. Like that's the mm-hmm. – you can get discounts on the fold. Like, But they are mainstream products. Like this is what they're launching. It's funny because Moto was really – remember they did that whole Razor stuff with all the influencers and the yeah. thing? <laughs> and it didn't flop. And so this week at the same time, Moto has like launched a new Razor only in China. And we missed it. This is this is how like it launched, and we didn't notice. They didn't, they didn't tell us. <laughs> yeah, they were like, uh, like yeah. a, like a few hours later, like by the way, we launched a new razor in China. Does that like how many phones did they have to sell in the United States to just be like, no, we're not even going to tell anybody? Six. <laughs> uh, by the way, the new razor has a flex view mode, so you can open the screen halfway and use it. Yes. This thing kind of just feels like it's a flip. Um, so it has a bigger screen in the front, 2.7-inch cover screen. Uh, the flip is – that's the name of it, by the way, the cover screen. Well, the flip is a 1.9-inch 
because it's bigger, it has like a full notification interface. It's got a widget on here that looks exactly like an iOS weather oh, widget. Yeah. Um, but same sort of like 50 megapixel camera with optical stabilization, 13 megapixel ultra wide. It's like this is another flagship phone. Uh, it just seems like it seems like only Samsung is like willing to make this bet and maybe not get market share because they've got market share all the way at the low end. And yeah. all the competition here is at the low end of the market now. Yes. Yeah, this is kind of depressing. There's just no upside to trying to pick the fight anywhere else. Like it's it's just the pe- everybody is set in what they have. And it's like part of the reason I think flip phones are interesting is it feels like most people who are not that interested in like reinventing their phone experience are not going to go for the phone that folds into a tablet thing. But if it's like a phone that looks and feels like my phone, but I can close it and put it on my desk, yeah. like that's a thing I think people will like intuitively understand and it doesn't blow up my life to use it. So I feel like if I was going to bet on either one of these to like actually make noise in the like world of phones kind of across all of the different price points, that's the one I would bet on. Is a flip phone less breakable like when you throw it? Like if I threw my phone at something like, ah, I'm scared and threw my phone at something, it would shatter. But if I had a flip phone and it was closed and I threw it. I think in general anything with more moving parts is like more delicate. But the screen is now protected. It's true. The screen is – but the hinge is now exposed. <laughs> right. yeah. having to use all that – all those crazy new materials to get the screen that folds. Like I wouldn't try it is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like the ur- – that's – I guess I can't get a flip phone because the urge to do that. To try out <laughs> throwing it. You need to buy one of those, but also a Nokia 3310 that you can just huck across the room anytime you need to. (laughs) Exactly. It's a test. Yeah. This would be a great video. These are basically only renders that Moto released about this thing, but yeah, this phone looks great. It's got like a real... (laughs) This is the thing. Like, I get flip phones. I want one. I can't explain why. You shouldn't have one. You certainly can't have this one. But I want one. But this is the thing. Like, we should talk about this is the Dieter Bone Memorial RCS segment. So, uh, Google this week, full-on shaming blitz against Apple. Like, by name, campaign. It's time for Apple to yep. fix texting. Poor Dieter did his first, like, Google executive tweet. <laughs> People were like, you work for Google now. <laughs> um, we love you, man. Uh, but, like, Google's like, it's Apple's fault. Like, full on, this isn't, like, a carrier thing. We ain't got to push it. It's like, Apple needs to support RCS to improve texting. Here's all the things that are broken. It's not just green bubbles. But then there was another part where, like, also the green bubbles are hard to read. Um, Ooh. It's true. It's true. But ooh. Uh, fundamentally, that's not the problem. My, my theory has always been that foldables are because they're a different hardware form factor. They can command interest. Like I've probably said this on this show a hundred times. Things yep. that look different always get more interest than yes. things that look the same with slightly different software. Right. Just true. So like it looks really different. So it commands your attention. And then people get to the point where they're like, wait, I can't text my daughter. Wait, it doesn't work like my iPhone that I'm really comfortable with. Yep. Wait, I don't doesn't have AirPlay. Like whatever bits and bobs of the Apple ecosystem that you're aware of suddenly don't appear for you, and you're like, ah, it's too hard to use. I'm just stick with this iPhone. This is why people don't switch because it's just not worth the effort anymore. Like the yeah. things are they're close enough, but not exactly the same, and it's just not worth the effort to switch. Yeah, but 100%. I, do you think that if Apple went to RCS, like this is what I think the limit of my theory is being tested, right? That we've talked about iMessage lock-in on the show a million times. And we've talked about people like looking at new kinds of hardware form factors a million times. If you give them a new hardware form factor and Apple goes to RCS, do people switch to Android in any meaningful way or is all the other stuff just pure lock-in? No, because you still need iMessage. Like RCS isn't going to fix 
all the problems. It'll fix some of the problems. It'll fix group text. It'll fix picture messaging. It'll it'll fix a lot but the of little, things. little when when somebody says congratulations and you suddenly get fireworks on your phone, it won't fix that. People will be so upset. I mean, Google can add a. I mean, that's just like recognizing yeah. one word. <laughs> like, I feel like there's enough AI inside of Google to be like, can you detect the word congratulations? Well, like the the the, <laughs> the tap back thing is the perfect example of that, right? Because yeah. it used to be if you were on a group chat with anybody on Android and you would do the like tap back thing and hit love, it would be like, you know, so and so loved, and then just quote your message, and that was a horrible nightmare. But and Google, Google just fixed, fixed that, right? Yeah. So there's like that's the same kind of thing they could. They can solve some of that stuff. But no, I cannot imagine the answer is yes to your question. Like RCS does not change enough <laughs> to really About matter. Like I think what, what RCS does is make Android better. It makes like being an Android owner in an iPhone world better. It doesn't make – it doesn't change anything about being an iPhone owner, which is I think why Apple doesn't really care. Uh, and it doesn't change enough to make a meaningful difference to people I don't think. Right, because of all the other stuff. Yeah, it's like I'm. people stay on iPhones because they've paid for apps. They use like platform-specific things. They're, they like AirPlay. They like know where the browser is, like yeah. the, how the notification shade works. It's like the, the thing, the they muscle love, memory of using a phone is so intense. Yeah, they love the feeling of getting an Android feature two years later and then saying Apple invented it. People love that. Oh, it's so it's good. The best. Like so 100 and 120 hertz screens, amazing. <laughs> Tim Cook invented that. Mm -hmm. Games that actually work. Those are fun. <laughs> Love those. Um, you know what my current lock-in feature is? It's not true lock-in. People are going to quibble with me that I'm like saying lock-in. It's a thing that I'm like, oh, I can't give this up. When you copy something on an iPhone and paste it on your Mac, oh, like magic, amazing. it's like, oh, oh, you should just hold me tight. <laughs> just, I'm going to just open the garden walls yeah. and then bring the gate down and padlock them. I'm staying right here. You know what's weird about that, though, is that, at least in my experience, works Perfectly, and it's amazing. And every other thing that Apple does, where they're like try to move stuff between your device, yeah. is garbage. Right, because that's Apple... just moving like text. But the thing where it's like I have a browser tab open, and and the little thing pops up on the Mac, and it's like, would you like to open this? And I say sure, and it's like, how about a different web page? <laughs> or it's like I, I turn my headphones on, and it's like, do you want to connect to all of your devices except the one that's currently ringing? Yeah, and it's like, mm. but then the copy and paste thing is magical. The copy and paste thing works. I will it say does. the what do you want to answer your phone on? intelligence it's like rival siri in terms of oh. great idea completely useless execution yes, yes. <laughs> it's like what what if everything in your house is ringing <laughs> it's like what if just my phone was mm -hmm. ringing but then you can't turn off because you have to turn off the listener. yeah i, I could talk about this all day <laughs> we should finish samsung though because there, there were a couple of other things to announce speaking of headphones there was the the galaxy buds 2 pro uh people love the galaxy buds they do. they're like a deeply underrated set of headphones, I think. And these are uh, 230 bucks, which is, I think, $30 more expensive than they used to be. Uh, but by all accounts, seem to be very good. What's uh, the Bixby integration like? <laughs> don't, that, don't one, that, that one person. Yeah, John Bixby. Bixby like, appears, made one for me. Bixby appears zero times in our story about the Galaxy Buds. <laughs> <laughs> I think Bixby appears zero times in Samsung's presentation. Yes, yeah, Samsung studiously avoids the word Android. Every time, which I find very yeah. funny. And uh, I think this is true in all of these. Like Apple says Siri less and less every time and Samsung says Bixby less and less every time. Yeah. Uh, and Amazon just says Alexa more times every <laughs> every time you turn around. Are we moving away from where they all were like we have to compete and show our stupid AI digital assistant is the best one? I think so. 
Are we finally past that point? Well, they all now they all now treat them as like like if you ask Apple, Siri is not like a voice assistant; it's just like a generalized intelligence. And yeah. they're like, oh, <laughs> is the it? thing. This is what they say. Sure. They're like the thing when you pull down the notification shade and it recommends which apps you should open. They're like, that's Siri. And it's like, no, it's not. That's my phone. Like, I don't, I don't care. We, yeah. we can quibble about what, you, what it's named, but like Siri is the thing that searches the web when I ask for a timer. Like that's what Siri is. <laughs> <laughs> Remembering which app I open the most is not. Artificial intelligence. No, that's, that's just a counter. <laughs> <It's nothing. laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, so okay, so there were the buds, which mm-hmm. uh, I believe Chris Welch is reviewing, and I suspect will turn out to be very good because the Galaxy Buds have been very good for a while. And then there was the Galaxy Watch Five and Watch Five Pro, uh, which are I think two hundred and eighty bucks and four hundred and fifty bucks respectively. And the big thing here was more battery life. Uh, I actually think the Galaxy Watch is super fascinating because, like, especially now that they've gone back to, like, working with Google and doing Wear OS stuff, like, the the Watch 4, by all accounts, was, like, really good. Yeah. And people really liked it. And it was, like, the first thing that was, like, okay, if you are an Android person and want something kind of like the Apple Watch, here is something kind of like the Apple Watch. And uh, the 5 Pro just seemed – or the 5 and the 5 Pro seemed to just, like, push that slightly forward. Like, more sensors, more health stuff because everybody's in on health stuff. The Watch Pro, I think, is enormous. It's enormous. <laughs> and it has like a touch bezel, right? Yeah. yeah. They both do. 45 millimeters. That. That's like – that's a big chunky watch. Yeah. Chunky it's a big watch. boy. Yeah. yeah. I used to have – I used to have like a 42 millimeter my dad gave me and I would wear it to soccer practice in like sixth grade and it just took my entire wrist up. <laughs> it just looked like I was wearing a large bracelet, like mm-hmm. a cuff bracelet. It was great. You just had a phone on your wrist basically. Yeah. I could yeah. stop bullets <laughs> with that wrist. Watch. But yeah, and I think especially like this is coming and there's presumably going to be a new Apple Watch soon and the Pixel Watch is coming and it's like this This is like a cool moment where it kind of felt like everybody was giving up on smartwatches except for Apple and now it sort of feels like there's there's real stuff out here happening again, which is cool. Yeah, I will say that the 45 millimeter size is right. I'm just looking at our photos of this on our wrist. It's just like the one on Allison's wrist. Monstrously huge. Watch. You can put like multiple fingers. I think you could probably put her whole other hand <laughs> between. That's just huge. Oh, Neil, I have great news for you. Uh, v Song, who wrote about the, the watches, um, writes, and I quote, after months of waiting, Samsung Galaxy Watch owners can finally use Google Assistant on their devices. Don't panic, Bixby lovers. Samsung promises all five of you that Bixby is still available on the Watch 5 and Pro. Yes. So, <laughs> if, look, if you Eli and four others, <laughs> it doesn't want to, it's a dog with shoes. It's just here to help you out. Remember when their pitch was like Bixby will just do settings for you, mm-hmm. and that was the the idea that like our settings are so complicated that an AI dog <laughs> will like, help you go through Bixby, the settings. Bluetooth. <laughs> Rich is just shaking his head over here. Right, don't you have an Android phone? Do you have Bixby? Uh, I do not have Bixby. I have unfortunately never had a modern Samsung phone. The last Samsung phone I think was the Galaxy S2 Epic 4G. Oh, yeah. If I'm, if yeah. I'm not getting the Epic 4G Touch 2. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, was, it was a wonderful phone. But no, it did not have any AI or any dogs wearing shoes. <laughs> Missing out. I think Samsung should have just taken our lead and branded Bixby as a helpful dog butler in shoes <laughs> and like straight gone clippy with it. And like every time you push the button, like, it's Bixby. That would be all branding. Right. People would talk about that. They did. I did. I made it up, and then we all talked about it. <laughs> no, but I'm thinking like Clippy, like like yeah. the the wider realm would the realm, the realm, the yeah. realm, the, the, the realm, realm of Samsung. Yeah, people would talk about it. They'd be on TikTok all the time. Bixby dog. Yeah, be like a character. It'd be a meme. Get I, on this Samsung. 
I've been telling them for years. They won't. <laughs> like, I know that it's, they are aware. It's your IP. Inside yeah. of Samsung, they are aware that I think it's a dog with shoes. <laughs> and like, it's just like to turn the, what do you have to lose? Stop. Three people are using this thing and you're giving up to Google Assistant. Come on, Just man. go full cartoon dog. <laughs> <laughs> people should not put me in charge of any tech companies. I think that should be very obvious. I disagree. Yeah. Right. I want the dog. Everyone wants the dog. It's very obvious. It's okay. right. When you own the Green Bay Packers, you can make it. You should I own two shares of the Green Bay Packers, <laughs> good sir. And then we'll know what to do with our Pinterest page. <laughs> we'll figure out our Pinterest page. All right. We should take a break. Before we do, yeah. one thing. So we, uh, we're going to talk more about Samsung and foldables and gadgets and why the internet is mad at me about big screens on next Wednesday's show. Uh, and if you have questions – Call the Verge hotline, which is 866-VERGE-11, which is 866-837-4311. But it's just Verge-11. Don't worry about it. Uh, and call us and ask us all your Samsung and foldable and phone questions, and we'll get to a bunch of them next week. Tell us your Bixby stories. Yes. Call us and be like, one time I couldn't figure out how to turn on a feature on my Samsung phone, <laughs> and I asked Bixby to do it, and Bixby helped. I just want to hear one story like this. And if you have a drawing of a dog with shoes named Bixby. Oh, yeah, please. Please send it. Oh, yeah. Eli is reckless on Twitter. <laughs> we, we all need Hit to see up. it. it. We'll just do a whole run of them on our TikTok. It'll be great. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. Richard's going to tell us what's going on with Disney and the Stream Wars. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Design for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we're back. Richard. Rich. RJ. I have many names. Rick Doc. Disney earnings this week. Good news, bad news. I was on CNBC today, and they were like, stock is up, which means, like, good news. Yeah. I don't know why they let me talk about stocks and CNBC. <laughs> uh, it's great. But uh, stock is up. Chapek, one, you know, he's one of the bobs. Yeah. Um, Old Bob. He looked as happy as he could, which is, like, a medium amount of happy. Like, he got that theme park money now, yeah, man. He did, he, yeah. So 
They're doing great. Subscribers are up. They have more subscribers now than Netflix. Mm -hmm. Disney, 221 around the world. Netflix, 220. Disclosure, The Verge made a Netflix show, of which I'm the EP. Vox Media makes shows with all of these companies. Comcast is a minority investor in Fox Media. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Media. If you've you've listened to this show, you know that it doesn't work. The money has not dissuaded us. (laughs) Um, Disney's a weird place. Like They're raising prices, but the subscribers are doing great. I got to call out Bluey season three just hit Disney Plus, which means if you have a child, you're never unsubscribing. But it's a weird moment for them. The, the question of who, the, of whether or not this is good news, I think, uh, depends on whether or not you're a Disney investor or a Disney Plus uh, customer. If you're a Disney investor, great news. They have more customers. They have a plan to make more money. They have a plan to be profitable on streaming by 2024 maybe. These are all the things you love to hear. If you are a Disney customer – I have bad news. You are the reason that they will be profitable by 2024 <laughs> because they're raising prices on everything. Um, they, they've discovered that people will pay for, uh, I don't know, Marvel movies, for all of the Disney kids stuff. People love to watch the, the properties that they have. They will pay for it. Maybe they won't pay for Netflix if they keep raising the price, but they will keep playing for Disney every single time. It's great news for Disney and they're taking advantage of it. Well, it's still cheaper than Netflix too. And like I think a big part of this is they care about these bundles. These bundles are really – actually good deals. Like I looked at the bundles and I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to do because you can get the Disney bundle with Disney Plus, Hulu. Is that with ads or without? Both of them without ads. Okay. ESPN Plus with ads. Sure. Sure. For 20 bucks. And that basically, if who cares about ESPN Plus? I'm sorry hey. to you and my brother. PTI that's it. And oh, me. and I guess oh my NBA God. rookies. Yeah, you're actually podcasting with three ESPN Plus oh subscribers. Yeah. So, well, then this is a great deal for you guys because I'm over here being like, wow, I don't care about that. That means I'm getting both of these services I do use for ten dollars. But that's the pitch: is that they can tie together all of these things. They cover everybody, yeah. whoever you are. They have some stuff yeah, that's for all you, and things. that bundle is going to be a pretty good deal. They've really recreated the. Parts of the cable bundle that people wanted at a cheaper price. And at the same price that Netflix premier bundle or premier just service. And, right. and, it, and if, you're, if you're looking at that versus Netflix and you're looking at what you get and you're, you're thinking I'm going to pick one, you're probably going to pick the Disney one. If you are one of the people who is spending $20 a month on Netflix, I am one of them. I was going to say same. Same. <laughs> but if you're one of those people who's like, ooh, do I want this bundle or do I want Netflix? And you chose Netflix – Please, I mean, don't call me, but like. Well, there's a number they can call. Yeah, call call that number. Verge one one. Just hit the number. There it is. And tell us why. Yeah, I want to. I want to know why you're, why you're doing that. Yeah. So here's what I'll say: the ESPN Plus thing is like it is valuable in very short windows, right? Because it's not really ESPN. However, the World Excel Championships were recently broadcast. This is a true story. <laughs> you can watch them on ESPN Plus in football season. Weird right stuff. Uh, NFL primetime, which is like the best NFL clip show that happens at the end of every day before the Sunday night game, or end of every Sunday before the Sunday night game, ESPN doesn't have the rights to broadcast it because NBC has the rights to all highlights on broadcast on Sundays. But they got the rights to stream highlights, so it's on ESPN+. Plus. So like that alone is worth it for that one chunk do of time. You, do you – like what about the actual games? Right. You're, what you're doing during the games on a Sunday is napping. <laughs> you're just in the dull roar of a football game. Or if you're you go a Lions fan, uh, crying. <laughs> uh, and then you wake up I, and you – while you I was eat like, dinner, That's not how we do it in time. Texas. Like uh, that's like a three-hour event. If I call my dad at any point during a Cowboys game, he gets so mad. So I do it multiple times and then like, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot the game was still on. Yeah. I know it's at least three hours. But like ESPN has just figured out how to – 
It's definitely three hours. If you call me at any point during a Packers game or <laughs> Richard during Lions game, there's a lot. There's a lot of screaming. Um, the Giants be, are awful. You can call me. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, but like they have like very cleverly found their way through this, this like highlights rights problem and added value to the streaming product. Yeah. Even though it's only for like however many months of the year, and they're kind of doing that around the line with sports. Right. Or they're kind of doing that down the line with sports, where it's like. They're adding value to the cable subscription. Right. But it's still like it's only valuable. I would never pay for that on Sun. Right. If something that comes in a bundle with Hulu and That's Disney what I'm Plus, saying. Like, this is the greatest value out of all time. Yeah. yeah. Like this is – I think it's just a really good value. So everybody's complaining rightfully that, that they've raised prices. But also they said when they launched the service they were going to be raising prices. They were like, no, these prices won't last. And they didn't. They raised it like – what, two years later? They, they said almost explicitly that they were planning to lose money for the first few years. And then they, when they have the plan to become profitable, that they would raise prices. And that's that's what they're doing. They, they raised the price on ESPN last month. They announced mm-hmm. the ESPN Plus, the uh, price raise there on the standalone plan. And now the bundles are getting a little bit a bit more expensive. They've also been talking about bringing – about how you can get full ESPN on streaming. Yeah. Ooh. More openly than ever. Hmm. So That'll be – clearly that's... that comes someday. Now that's probably going to come with charging more money. But but we're looking at it. it I would say the the only thing that surprised me about this was that Disney just kind of did it all at once. I feel like the thing we've seen with the streaming companies over the years is they all just like raise their prices a dollar at a time and like hope you don't notice. Like Netflix basically raises its prices every three months and but they Disney just like hope experience. you're not going to notice. D- D- Disney knows something about trying to do this that I think maybe Netflix is learning. Like like Disney has sold bundles. They they have changed pricing so many times. They they've got they have an advertising business that actually works. Netflix <laughs> not yet. So, so they're not learning on the fly with these things, and, and they kind of know which buttons they can press and how hard. That's fair, and it does seem like like we, we talk about the the like who's the zero on the go ninety scale. Uh, you I, think feel, I, I, think I think it's, it's, I think it's Disney. Yeah, like Marvel alone is like no, yeah, but Marvel's real shaky lately. There's no guarantee lately. that if they don't make better movies than they've been making, like <laughs> there's fair. no guarantee that the next phases will be sticky. Yeah, I mean. Right. Marvel is like in a weird place because it is this big behemoth. It, it does still make a ton of money even though the films are getting worse and worse like Shang-Chi accepted. That was a really good movie. Go watch it if you haven't. But it's still a huge franchise for them and they've got Star Wars and they have everything Disney's ever made and they have everything Fox has ever made. So they've got what the Simpsons. They've got all of the princess movies. I'm so sorry. The Disney princess movies, whatever you want to call them. Like they've got – All the Pixar stuff. Yeah. yeah I they, mean the library is unbeatable. Yeah. They have like – they have all – most of the IP, right? Like Warner Brothers is is recognized that they have IP and they think it's 90 Day Fiance. That's weird. But – so the difference – like, <laughs> That's really weird. The 90 Day Fiance universe. I love it. <laughs> it's, re- it's real. Right up there with if it. You're MCU. not in it. So actually I think the difference is that uh, HBO still programs itself like a TV network, right? Right. Like, there's a new season of something really high end that comes out no, on a regular Disney's cadence. No, Disney's doing that too. Like Disney no. Plus. Disney's like we farted out another Star Wars thing. Do you want to live? No, in but we started Plus. the show and you were talking about uh, what is that? The Beast. Yeah, yeah on on FX on Hulu. Uh, the Bear. The, the, the Beast. The Beast. Yeah, but I think that's, I'm the only that's, but that's like FX on Hulu. Like that's a TV network that went to Hulu. Like Disney Plus, the app is not quite programming. Disney this way Plus yet. is very much programming. Like they're doing it. They they specifically are moving shows around so they have like a night that you're watching Disney Plus. So you're watching your Star Wars and your Marvel overlapped, and you're just tucking in for the night. They're like 
that is very much part of their plan. And I think it's pulled from the Hulu, ABC, like, realm. And I think they're doing it better than HBO Max. I think I agree with that. But but the other thing Disney has done really well is integrate that stuff with an app that shows you old things. Like Yes. And this this has always been the problem that like Amazon has had where Amazon has this massive library of stuff that they just absolutely refuse to show you. Yeah. And instead they're like, would you like to watch Jack Ryan? And you're like, no. And they're like, ah, well, we don't have anything else for you. <laughs> like, yeah, the other day I finished watching something. I don't even remember what. It wasn't Miss Marvel, but I finished watching something on Disney Plus. And it was like, do you want to watch Captain Marvel? And I was like, you haven't seen it in a bit. Exactly. Play. Wow. Let's go. And like And then every once in a while they'll just throw in be like, remember all those animated movies you made forty years ago that you love? Like You wanna watch you, it? You wanna watch that? And I'm like, Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I whereas Netflix, I'm like, You finished watching Stranger Things. Do you wanna watch anything remotely related to that? And I'm like, sure. And they're like, Okay, instead we're gonna show you another like Cake Wars yes. episode. Ugh. I'm like, No, that's you've misunderstood. <laughs> you've missed something here. And Disney's like, I don't know, they've they've got a really strong app. They they've got all of the IP, which is like is that ethically, morally right? Probably not. Nope. But they got it. They got the money. They got the what fifty billion dollars or whatever they made from from theme parks this year. They're doing great. The fast pass, uh, the lightning lane, the genie pass. I'm sorry, <laughs> bringing in tons of money in the theme parks. Turns out that charging people for convenience is a good business model. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and their ad supported plan is launching in December. So again, I was on CBC today. Bob Chagg was being interviewed by Julie Borston. She asked him, "Can you raise prices in theme parks?" And he was like. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> he was basically like, here's what we do. We like we see how much the consumer can tolerate and then like, you know, we push it. I'm not he's like, we have no plans to at this moment, but like we're always looking. And it's like, yeah, you're Yeah, they they figured out they can nickel and dime you and we'll all be like, Yeah, okay. Yeah. I want to do the the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. I disagree with you about the the which the the five thousand dollar like <laughs> No, that's the Star Wars one. Oh, the the big place yeah. and you get the the lightsaber. I'm gonna buy one. <laughs> Very excited. Two MacBooks. That's how you measure these experiences. Do I want two MacBooks or do I want to go to a spaceship? MacBooks. Uh, th- then Richard would have four laptops. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. I. Th- it's true. I think they have the, the best app. Right. They built on Bamtech. They had the best stack all the mm-hmm. way along. Hulu is now it's theirs. They're programming it with more compelling stuff. I'm just pushing back. I think Disney is so big and they're so addicted to their franchises that they are they're losing sight of like making good stuff. I would. Oh, Star Wars is dying for that exact. Like yeah, Star yeah. Wars is is. They're just like now. milking that thing, yeah. and then the, I think they're milking the MCU in like a. But they're doing good stuff on Hulu. Like Hulu yeah. is where they still actually have people who know TV programming it. So that's why you got the the bear. That's why you're getting what is it? Little fires. The the little fires everywhere. Yeah, little fires everywhere. Like you're getting really good stuff on Hulu. I watch it. I think probably ha- it and HBO Max are my two most watched services. And it's because it's got stuff like FX where they've done really, really good programming and they're putting it almost exclusively oftentimes on Hulu and it's just like super watchable. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure like to Richard's point, like you're an investor. This is great. It's all just money in Disney. From a Disney like brand perspective, Hulu app not as good as the even the HBO Max right. app in some ways. Right, It's like a very confusing <laughs> situation. Remember their linear TV built-in part of the Hulu app? Yeah, yeah. And how they, they decided that they didn't want to do a menu like everybody else does where it looks like cable TV. And instead they were like, no, we're going to like decide what you should watch on, on live TV. And you're like, no, that's No, they stupid. all do this. This is like catnip for product designers. So like we're doing a live TV app and they're like, let's reimagine. But they got the yelled at so experience. much that Hulu was like, sorry, 
we're, we're working on it. We're going to do a really good No, this is the hill they all want to climb. Like, can you – this is Steve Jobs just gaslighting this entire industry yep. by saying on his deathbed he cracked the user experience for TV without any further explanation. <laughs> and now everyone thinks they have to crack the user experience for TV. And the entire consumer base is like, we just want a grid. It's the spreadsheet. We just want give a us the spreadsheet, spreadsheet of yeah. TV shows. What if he cracked it by just being like, I changed the font? Yeah, that's what he meant. <laughs> he was like, I made it look nicer. Have you heard of retina screens? Add more pixels. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, just, I think the danger for Disney mm-hmm. is that it's real sticky right now because of the catalog. Mm-hmm. But if the shows and movies are bad over time, yeah. they're going to run into the same problem. I mean, yeah, but they have so much I don't think people think runway. of the Hulu shows as Disney shows. That's what I meant by the brand thing. Uh, totally. And yeah. Disney, in, at least in America, wants you – to keep that separation, right? Like they very much said, we're not going to put Deadpool. We're not going to put all this like racist stuff on Disney Plus. We're going to keep that for Hulu because that's for adults. And Disney Plus is like general yeah, yeah. Sunday night Magic Kingdom, whatever that that thing we all had to watch on Channel 8. Sorry, none of you are from Texas. <laughs> Remember Sunday nights, there was always like the Disney hour of content. Come on, no. y'all are old. You know yeah. this. There was no. like a Disney. There was like there was me. always like special I was movies and NFL stuff. Primetime. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, but but like they 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 that's Disney Plus is their family friendly yeah, stuff, yeah. and they know as well as we all do. The little kids have trash taste for the most part, so like they can pump that stuff out for a while. I think they are going to see diminishing returns. I think they are already like poisoning their own franchises over and over again because they're not – they're thinking about the money and not about the quality of the content. But everybody else is also kind of thinking the same thing. That's like, true. Like, I buy that. Yeah. Warner Brothers last week was even like, yeah, we we don't care about the money. Like we want the money. We're going to put out stuff that will make the money. Yeah. We'll see. I, OK. Let's do the good money sale. Yeah. So we think HBO Max after, after we complimented HBO Max. Yeah. It is like – It's 90. <laughs> Well, it's not yet. Yeah. It's like a preemptive 90 on the tech side. It's a 60. So it's like a – okay. Yeah. It's halfway between yeah. 45 and 90. Yeah. Yeah. That seems right. Oh, it's so depressing. Yeah. <laughs> it's we, It's like, not HBO great. Max's fault. Yeah. It's just – it's it's being – this is happening to HBO Max. <laughs> this is why merger should be legal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, D- Disney Plus is zero. Yeah. By the way, the Go90 scale of Doom streaming services. Zero is alive. 90 is dead. Yeah. Hulu – I don't know. Hulu's higher because I think at some point, like, Hulu doesn't exist in a lot of other markets, right? It is pretty much an American market thing. Other markets, everything just is on Disney+. Plus. And in the United States, they're like, no, no, we must keep these two things separate. But I could definitely see them at some point be like, nah, smush them together. Yeah, well, Hulu yeah, has, like, a long history of people trying to kill Hulu. Yeah. Like, at any moment. It's immortal at this point. It time. might be the last streaming service to go. Because it was one because, of the first, because right? it's unkillable? It is. Like, so many people have tried to kill Hulu. Yes. I know. Like, it's at any moment, some Disney executive gets a promotion, and they're like, finally. Disney tried to kill Hulu. <laughs> yeah. They were like, we're going to buy you and destroy you. I uh, guess we're going to use you because otherwise everybody's going to pirate our stuff. And then way. somebody at Hulu is just like, we've signed deals to have next day shows until 2068. Like, what are you going to do about <laughs> it? <laughs> All right, so, so Richard, you're making the call that Hulu is like a permanent zero, unkillable. Can it? It can. It can never die. Wow. <laughs> Hulu's not even. It, on the it's it's uh, what, what the the drowned house. Uh, what, what what does not live can can never die. There, there you go. That's Hulu. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, Netflix. 
15. They still have 220 million subscribers. Yeah, yeah. they're still huge. I think yeah. we the last time we did this, I think we landed like high single digits, which feels about right. Yeah. All right. Any other streaming services put on the on the scale this week? Paramount Plus. Oh Zero. <laughs> you knew I was going to say it. Wow. <laughs> the greatest streaming service. <laughs> Look. Paramount Evil. Plus is a zero uh, all the way through the release of Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right? Like, And then it will be the most popular streaming service <laughs> for a couple of weeks, yes. and then we'll be like 90. <laughs> I think as long as Star Trek exists, par- like, or as long as people who watch Star Trek exist, we're, we're dying out, apparently. A friend of mine, she, she teaches college, and she's like, all right, who watches Star Trek? And it used to be like, all the hands would raise. And she teaches, like, video game history. So it's like, these are nerds, right? And she's like, okay, everybody raise your hand if you watch Star Trek. All the hands raise. Nowadays, she's like, raise it. And there's, like, one person in the back of the room who's wearing, like, a Star Trek shirt. She's like, you get an instant A+. <laughs> you pass. Everybody else fails. So, like, it, it's slowly dying. But, like, as long as there are all those fans, and it's kind of – it's not as big as Star Wars, but it's got a very um, active community. It's, it's a zero. It's going to be interesting to watch Paramount Plus bleed that to death. Because yes. like in the same way that Disney Plus bought Star Wars and was like, we're going to make eight Star Wars things a year until all of you are somewhere, And I'm going to let them do it. Somewhere at the <laughs> yes. Paramount Plus office, there's an accountant with a spreadsheet. And they're looking at it right now. She's freaking out because the spreadsheet has like a, a row in it labeled data center costs. <laughs> and there's another column labeled churn. And they're modeling out how many people are going to sign up for a seven-day free trial to stream Top Gun Maverick and then leave. Yep. And spike the data center costs <laughs> and never pay them a dollar. And they're just hoping they can – enough of those people forget to cancel. And she, I'm telling you, she's like freaking out. Like she's like, someone oh, yeah. someone needs to look at my screen right now. She's like, our, our payment processing systems are going to go down. She's just zooming random people being like, can I share my screen? I need to share the screen with you. Are they doing how is is it going to be 4K? Is it going to be Dolby Vision? If they do not stream Top Gun Maverick 720 4K HDR Atmos, <laughs> like I will drive over there and be like I'm taking the tapes, I'm starting my own streaming <laughs> service. It's a 90 all the way, but it's going to be glorious for a day. Top Gun. There's no it's way it's called Tom be. Cruise the streaming service. <laughs> Yeah, Tom Cruise is all about mo- like he wants you to. Turn Tom off would motions. never let this happen. He's, He's probably got, it's like in his contract. If you stream it, it can only be streamed at 4K with Dolby Atmos. Mm-hmm. And if you detect somebody has is using headphones or watching on a mobile device. Their device will explode. Yeah. <laughs> and like he's figured out how to slow. automatically change your TV to turn off motion smoothing. He's like, Tom gets yeah. it. Yeah, oh, no, Tom there's going to be a long prelude before Top Gun Maverick runs on the stream. <laughs> oh, there probably is. He's like, I'm moving my hand right now. Does it look too smooth? <laughs> I'm going to keep doing this for one hour. I'm going to read you the manual of yeah, every exactly. TV that exists. He's like, skip to five minutes for Samsung, seven minutes for LG. I'm here with you. There will be a series of blinks in this video. <laughs> and you will adjust your TV. Just sit back and let it happen. <laughs> yeah, he's very serious about this. In the depths of the pandemic, by the way, I looked I looked at how much it would cost to buy one of those like only in Hollywood dedicated high-end streaming boxes. Yeah. Cuz I was like, whatever, I'm never leaving this house again. It was like $15,000 and I was like, Whoa. I don't I care a lot. <laughs> I don't care this much. <laughs> like, you could get such a nice like projector for that. Yeah. But you need content. Just plug that that Roku in. And then I almost fell down the Chris Welch hole of being like, I'm going to start buying Blu-rays. I did that. I do that. Oh, my God. You you and your Plex box and your Blu-rays. I I, I get the Blu-rays. 
I rip them. Wow. Because that's that's legal, right? Like I'm using it for my personal use only. I quit being a lawyer. I ain't your lawyer. <laughs> quick, quick. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's probably um, someone I know provides me with copies someone, and I put them on my plant That's life more server. illegal. <laughs> I meet a guy in an alley. <laughs> That's like, here's what I do. I buy pirated movies. <laughs> now, you want to stick with I buy the media, I own the movies, and I rip it. There we go. Which, for, for, uh, for archival purposes. Because That's of course my lawyer you have a Blu-ray drive attached asks. to your PC, as everyone <laughs> yeah. does. Yeah, as one does, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think if you were like, David, can you rip this DVD? I have literally no idea what I would do. Yeah, what's your process for ripping a Blu-ray? You know, you, you stick it in. And to you what? <laughs> okay, wait. Microsoft is bringing uh, CD ripping back to Windows yeah. 11. Wait, really? Disc ripping is coming back. Yeah, they're testing it, it in the betas left. now. It's a whole thing. Wait, it, tell it me wasn't in thing. Windows Media Player, but they are beta testing it again in the in the beta versions in Windows 11. CD ripping. Are you supposed to just like wave the CD over your computer? <laughs> I, I don't know where you Wait, put the disc, on, but if you have somewhere to put you it, just slap it, it on your it keyboard you. and then again, like happens. automatically in the future. Sure. Oh my god! But it, the the I don't think the feature is in the media player that exists in Windows 11, like the retail version right now. Right. But in the beta, but in the beta version, if you have it installed, you have a version that will rip a CD for you. I just don't know where you're going to get a CD drive. Sick. <laughs> or a CD. Do you think this is like? <laughs> Oh, Nadella himself was like, I have a number of CDs. <laughs> My Blu-ray collection like, is out of this back for me. Okay. <laughs> First of all, that's incredible. Love that. The Plex community freaking out. Walk me through your Blu-ray ripping process. <laughs> okay. You can buy for like $50 okay. now. It's so cheap. You can just get a little player okay. and you, you plug it like in. Like a USB-C Blu-ray player. Yeah. yeah, yeah is yeah. it USB-C? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, mine's USB. <laughs> mine's USB, but they got USB-C ones now, too, because I had to walk Do my they? sister through buying one. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because she still – she's also a pirate. She still listens to <laughs> CDs. Okay. And fair. I was like, I was like, you don't need a disc player. Like, she held on to her iBook for years because she was like, I need a CD player. And I was like – Your sister's my favorite person. Mm-hmm. No. She's the worst. But <laughs> <laughs> but no, so you, you plug in your little cheap Blu-ray player. Sure. You put the disc in. You have to have – I can't remember the name of the app, but you have to have this one – because it's been like at least a year since I did this. You have this one app that like removes any um, – DRM? Yeah. What any, year? any barriers. What uh, year see, would you say this app was most recently legal barriers <laughs> that I put there to keep you from – it, ena- it enables media freedom. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And then you just use Handbrake. Like, okay. yeah, like you, you rip it and do then you, you put you it into Handbrake. Compress it? So you're further compressing it with Handbrake. Yeah. So you're accomplishing very little for all this effort. Because when I did uncompressed, it was great. And then I put it on my Plex server. And my Plex server was like, what are you doing to me? The shield started smoking. It's like on fire. (laughs) It was like, I'm coming to you, kill you right now. But like, Why not just play the Blu-rays? Because I have to like stand up. (laughs) This this is why I have have dozens of Blu-ray discs that I have never watched. And I only see them when I move and I have to pick them up and carry them. And I'm like, why do I have these? Yeah, but you keep buying them. I need for the media, best quality for media freedom for archival reasons. Yeah. What happens if you you lose internet? You go somewhere okay, without I, I internet. I just want to point out that you described your process for this, mm-hmm. and you are recompressing the Blu-rays. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as good, but it's still better 
than if I watched it on Netflix or any of the other places. If you've ever tried to watch Justified on Amazon Prime, you, then you know why you would do this. The video quality on the stream is just terrible. I feel like you're doing a lot of work that you could just buy it like on iTunes and download it to your computer and you've, but you've done the same thing. It's not quite as good a lot of times. All right. Well, Change Tom your Cruise, mind. if you're listening and you want to come on the show and lecture Alex about piracy and why that's hurting Hollywood, doors open. He would be on my side because – I'm still getting the Blu-rays. You, Sometimes I watch you them. You think Tom Cruise would be on the side of you should buy a $50 USB-C Blu-ray drive. <laughs> yes. Remove the I DRM. Can, I, can, I can And then recompress him. Top Gun Maverick. I, I got this. Like, if anyone knows Tom, Tom and I would vibe. It'd be fine. I'm excited for Tom to be on the show. If anyone out there knows Tom, I'm sure he's listening. If anyone out there knows Tom, tell us what – uh, DRM removal tool you use, and then we'll let you come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And if you'd like to come do a 30-minute PSA about how to re- turn off motion smoothing on your TV ahead of watching Top Gun Maverick, we're here for that. One of my favorite parts just about, like, modern life at this moment is, like, everyone is constantly using computers. And every now and again, I like to imagine Tom Cruise, like, confronting stage manager on his iPad. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like, you can't, like, none of that works <laughs> together, you know? Like, he's like... Oh, uh, I got to send think- an email. And like, oh, he's looking at the same weird Gmail interface as the Wait, rest of us. Like- you think Tom Cruise sends emails? Oh, yeah. No. Unhinged, all caps. Oh, like, absolutely. Three sentence emails. Absolutely the not. enormous. <laughs> he has somebody he tells. No. Like, no, he shouts at someone. No, I'm with Neil. He shouts at Siri is what he does. Tom Cruise is <laughs> yeah, a, voice a, a voice dictation monster. Dicta- so he uses mail app. <laughs> <laughs> Just play this game. It's incredibly fun. Imagine any Hollywood celebrity you can think of. Yeah. And be like, Kim Kardashian sometimes is like, these Google search results are full of ads because everyone is having the same experiences all the time. Like, it's all the same. I, Kanye West is like, huh, I got to get on Instagram. It's all videos now. Like, <laughs> they have assistants who do that. They have an, a Google assistant. No, Kanye's like out there being like, I don't have OnlyFans. I have read it. Like, I've heard him <laughs> say those words. And it's all the same. I just it's, it's, it's the best. we should just do an entire episode of the broadcast where we imagine celebrities using modern tech. All right, Liam wants me to wrap this up because I said only fans. We gotta take a break. We're gonna come back. We have a, we have a little lightning round. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Lightning round. A lot of little news this week. I just mentioned Gmail, so I gotta mention this one. So politicians want mm-hmm. to send you emails. You may have gotten these emails. And you might have thought to yourself, wow, these emails are all written like scams. Yeah. turns out uh, Google's filters have agreed with you for many years and politicians' emails have been filtered into your spam. And some politicians or, think Google is, is perpetrating a giant scheme to yeah. send some people to your inbox and some, email, and some to spam. Shadow ban. Exactly. Yeah, this is like a real thing that happens. So they yelled at Google enough. And so Google concocted a plan by which politicians could request to be exempted from Google's spam filters. And today, the Federal Election Commission said, yep, that's fine. You can do your plan. This is like one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Like, what emails do I want the least? Any politician asking me for money. I still get asked by Wendy Davis for money and to vote in Texas. (laughs) Still. I don't want those emails. Yeah. I marked them as spam on purpose. Now they're going to get through. And it's like, the worst political pressure campaign you can think of. I think of. if politicians should be able to request not to be spam, we as users should be able to request not to be emailed by them. Like if, if, if Gmail can control this that cleanly on one side, 
it should be able to give us a toggle that says, no, thank you, politicians. Goodbye. And just yeah, remove it all, all from my email. Yeah. All politicians. All I would not push interested. that button in a heartbeat. Yeah. 100%. The texts, like if I could do that on my phone, like, oh, we know that this is somebody texting you to donate money to your local Somehow I got Senator. on Nancy Pelosi's list as a person named Freddie. And I get a text <laughs> message probably five times a week being like, Freddie, this is urgent. Oh, I, Give uh, me $6. Um, a real clever online harassment game. It is people try to sign me up for like all the things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now they're all filtered. And so they still try to do it. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't understand. This was five years ago. <laughs> 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 like, no, you don't understand. I was already signed up as Freddie for Nancy Pelosi's email list. Like you, you can't hurt me anymore. Um. All right, Richard, you wrote about proof of stake this week. This is like a true lightning round. We're just bouncing around. Uh, Ethereum, for years, has promised a switch from proof of work, which uses a lot of energy, to proof of stake, which is a different method of mining and validating transactions than I work. It's supposed to be more energy efficient. I forced Richard to listen to a hardcore Ethereum engineering conference call today. What did you learn? I listened to an hour and a half of people talking about the blockchain and blocks and every, every everything they – I, I don't even know what words they were using. None of them were in the Bible. <laughs> but I think the I think what they ended up saying was that they they've completed their last test merge of, yes. of a network, and it mostly worked. There were there were a few glitches that they're still working out, but they think they're ready to do it for real to move the full network over to this proof of stake system that's going to use so much less energy. And they have basically a date. Um, Haven't they been saying proposed. almost exactly that for like five, three years? Five. Five years. Okay. For years and years and years. But now they have a, a date for the, the final, 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 final merge. When? Okay. When is it? The terminal date, the, the mm-hmm. TTD, is September 15th or 16th, depending on when, <laughs> when the block gets mine. Perfect. Uh, so maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. I think everyone knows. I'm on record saying this will never happen. Too complicated. Never going to do it. If it does happen, here's the wild part. That is horrible news for AMD and NVIDIA. Because the requirements for mining, validating will go down. A bunch of Ethereum miners will flood the market with used GPUs. The demand for GPUs will go down. But then that's also like when AMD and NVIDIA will have their new GPUs coming out. And then everyone will have to make a big big decision about whether you want to use a GPU that's been used for mining for years, which maybe you don't because things have been red hot for so long. But like already like the analysts, like Morgan Stanley is like bad news coming for GPU vendors, for chip makers, because Ethereum is going to proof of stake. Didn't like NVIDIA if they kind ever of, do. Didn't NVIDIA go out of its way to be like, stop using us? Did yeah, I they, make that up? They put in the flag, but yeah, but people just ignore I think it. That accomplished nothing. I think it accomplished nothing. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, NVIDIA. Sucks for yeah, you. I think they got around that in like a day. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, that, oh they that's tried. nice. So we'll see. If, but I would just say, like, that's to me, it's there's the Ethereum story, which would be cool. And then, like, I'm happy if anything uses less energy. But then, like, the main complaints about NFTs, of which Richard has many, um, <laughs> uh, right, the, the big one is, like, this is a lot of power to use for Pokemon. We should cool it. And that that thing goes away, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I mean, the the switch to proof of stake is has, like, everyone in the crypto community is, like, any problem you have, anything you don't like about crypto or Web3, proof of stake fixes it. Yeah. It's like it, this is like the magic bullet that will make all of this work and be viable. I'm, yeah. Well, if it weren't an environmental nightmare, the thing that would be left is that all of their applications are useless and do things that no one wants. <laughs> <laughs> but they would get rid of this one problem. Yeah. that's Now it's environmentally friendly to have an app that no one uses or wants. Yes. It's perfect. Yeah. Beautiful. It's, we'll see. We're going to keep tracking it. 
I think I'm with Richard. Even money on they push it another six months. It, it it has always been delayed. There's no way that it doesn't get delayed at least once. We will eat crow if it. I'll have, we'll have Richard back on, and he can announce that Ethereum has switched to proof of stake. And you're you're here with me. Look in my eyes. You have to come back on and announce that it's switched to proof. We of will stake. force him to buy an NFT on air. <laughs> I don't think we can do that. I think what we will do is we're starting my Richard NFT era. <laughs> I'm going to become a Web three booster. Yeah, I, I'm going to all the conferences. There we go. I'm one of those guys. A uh, bunch of Apple stuff. Uh, rumors, rumors, rumors. Sounds like the next iPhone might be more expensive. Like 15%. But but that number, the 15% is like all the iPhones together. So some iPhones could be way more expensive. Some could be like $5. I bet they do a super expensive iPhone Pro. Yeah. Like if you're looking at Samsung being like $1,800, you're like, yeah, we, could, we can charge What's anywhere. in an $1,800 iPhone? It's Pro, dude. It's huge. Nine-inch screen, but they call it an iPhone. <laughs> it's an it's just the iPad mini with more yeah. cameras on the no, back. Gonna, they'll do like a riff on the A-series processor that like makes it look more like an M1. They'll like add another camera lens. Like Ugh. You can see how they could just get you to $1,800 phone. I just – I'm upset because I always try to justify why I need a pro and I always do. And if they do that, I'll be like, I can't, that's stupid. That's too stupid. I can't do that. Yeah. And that's a bummer for me personally because I like to be like, yeah, it's my pro. Well, so the rumor this year right, is that they're going to do a max size regular iPhone because everyone loves a big cheap screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so for the longest time, you ended up buying the pro because you just wanted the bigger screen. So I then bought- you, you got to really scoot something over there to make it worth it. I would buy the pro because it had the smallest screen too. Because uh, yeah. just the regular pro is always smaller than the others. I'm just going to put out there that revealed preferences say people say shit like that. All the time. Where's and Allison? Then, we got to get no, Allison. No, my, my wife I'm looking owns, at your phone. owns the Pro Liam, specifically for that reason. Liam, can you call Allison? Because I need, it's, I need it's a slightly smaller Wait, phone whoa, for her. Say that over again. My wife, my wife owns the iPhone Pro specifically for that reason. She, she needs a, a phone that is slightly smaller to fit her hands and bought it. Thank you. And Thank I, you. I, I, was, I was surprised, but it, it works better for her. If we're not getting Allison on the line, we can get your wife on the line to support <laughs> me here. Everyone says they want a, a small phone. Some people buy small phones. Most people are like, three. They get into the store and like, what's the biggest, cheapest screen you have? Uh, Liam is holding up his phone. Like it's small. It's a small phone. Right he will you, presumably Liam. return it in two weeks. Yeah. I'm just I'm don't just do saying, it. Like, he's doing the full John Cusack <laughs> in the window right now with his phone above his head. It was very romantic. <laughs> uh, AirPods cases with USB C. Not this year, but next. It sounds like seems perfectly logical. If yeah. they move the iPhone to USB C, then they have to move the AirPods. Yeah. yeah, that seems obvious. Even if they don't, I mean, it's like Apple has rapidly moved everything else to USB-C, and there's no, like, giant accessories ecosystem for the AirPods. So that seems like a really easy switch for them to make. Like, the case they're going to make, the case they've made for not switching from Lightning is, like, we have a big ecosystem. People have chargers. People have stuff that they like to use. It's a total nonsense argument, but that's the argument that you cannot make that argument about AirPods. Like, I have cool stuff I plug my AirPods case into is, like, not a thing that people say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like, I, it does seem like we are headed towards a world where the iPhone is also on USB-C, but I don't necessarily see this as, like, a harbinger of that. Well, this is just, like, a thing they're going to do. Is this related at all to the EU saying everybody's got to go USB-C? I assume so. I mean, that's like that's going to be part of where this all has to end up, right? Yeah. Even if they go portless on the iPhone, which I don't think they would do, you would still want to move the AirPods to USB-C because exactly. you would have no reason to ship lightning cables anymore. Exactly. Well, you would if you kept the AirPods on it. <laughs> no, they'd rather sell you really, really expensive USB-C cables. That's true. $100. Speaking of Apple, one last thing. iOS 16 has added a battery percentage meter. It's a go. It's... It's really weird. So you can you can always get it. You can get it right now in Control Center. 
Yeah. But they took it away because the notch on the main screen. So now they've added it back. But the thing stays full all the time. It just has a number in it. Yeah. So it'll say like in the in the photo we have in our story, it says 49, but the thing is all filled up. <laughs> like, it literally makes it look like you have 49 batteries. <laughs> uh, something's going on with Apple design right now. It's yeah. deeply unsettled. Like hardware design on a real high note. Yes. Right? Like laptops are better than ever. M1 chips, M2 chips. They're like Apple hardware engineering can do no wrong. And the software engineer is like, we're drunk. <laughs> Piles. <laughs> Piles of windows. Have you ever thought about 49 batteries on your phone? <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on there. Um, but it's back, which is good. Uh, talk about Sonos ever so slightly. Bad quarter for them. Here's the fascinating part. They delayed their next product, which Chris Walsh believes would be the sub mini. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like, Which Chris Welch has been leaking relentlessly yeah. for months. Um, but this is really interesting. So Sonos's sales are all TV accessory sales. Yeah. And TV sales are down, which mm. means Sonos soundbar sales are down. So like there's just a lot of thinking like maybe all the upgrades happened already. Like yes. all the work from home pandemic upgrades happened and these companies are all going to be hurting for the next couple of years because there's no more upgrade cycle for any of this stuff. I've been thinking a lot about – what Adam Masseri said, I think last week, that like the assumption that all these companies made during the pandemic was it accelerated these trends, but we're never going back to the way that we were before. And actually what might be happening is we are currently in the midst of going back to the way that we were or before. Or like even farther. Yeah. 100%. Uh, which is super interesting to me. And I feel like is like this is the kind of thing I think we're going to see a lot of places where it's like people either bought stuff that they're not going to upgrade for a long time or – they're just going to go back to the way that they were when they were allowed to go outside again. And well, that, like, the amount of time we spend using these things is going to go down. That we're not – people don't use Zoom as like a normal life behavior. Now we use Zoom because we have to. And now that we don't have to, people are going to stop. Yeah. We saw that with like Netflix. That was part of their earnings yeah. narrative is that like, yeah, everybody subscribed and now they don't subscribe because they can go outside and see people. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like – I think you're right that like the Sonos thing is just like – Everybody who was going to buy one of these just did. And now yeah. that you have one, like, you don't have anywhere to put any more. It's, it's like the Amazon problem where you buy one thing and suddenly it shows you uh, advertisements for only that product yes. every single time you go to Amazon. But I bought new speakers. I bought a racing wheel. I bought a keyboard, gaming headsets, progressively better headphones. I have them all now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I For, like, the next four years, I don't need to purchase any other things. Yeah, but I know you, and you will. You will. Well, yeah, yeah. I've known you for a long time. <laughs> well, I have one racing wheel, and you can have two racing wheels. <laughs> what, am I expected to carry it from upstairs to downstairs? <laughs> just doesn't make sense. Uh, I think that's, like, actually the real hard part for Sonos, right? Like, they're in this big patent lawsuit with Google. Google just filed another version of the patent lawsuit for really dumb stuff. Yeah. For how when you have multiple speakers in a room, that you detect which, who, which one's closer to you, and that's when you light up the voice. That's Google's patent they file against Sonos. They should all just sell these lawsuits. But Sonos is suing Google because they say Google tried to crush them. They're not in the store. All this stuff. That's like one big distraction. And then on the flip side of it, you've got maybe all the TV upgrades happened. And our the biggest part of our business is selling upgrades under TVs, which are soundbars. Yep. So now you've got to like get more speakers in more rooms or figure out more service revenue on the speakers you have. Sonos owners famously persnickety about being asked for additional money. It's I think it's just a hard place. Or make Better stuff. I think it's not even that. I think it's they, they need to make new stuff. Yeah. Like like Sonos's thing has been to basically they're like we're going to make a soundbar and then our next product is going to be a cheaper soundbar and then our product after that is going to be a more expensive soundbar. But if everybody who's going to have a soundbar already has a soundbar, 
Like you have to go, you have to go invent a new market of Give things that people are going to do. They're also in a situation like where the TV manufacturers that's all I want suddenly buy. don't want to sell TVs anymore. They want to make money on the services and the commissions of, of right. streaming streaming services and advertisements. And selling TVs is suddenly a, not the biggest part of their business. I mean, they've been TVs have been dealing with this problem for a while, right? Like they had this big. Everybody went out and got moved to high definition. And then nobody wanted to move to 4K because it was stupid. And so they kept being like, what are reasons to get people to move to 4K? It was HDR. Yeah. And then that was kind of successful but not totally successful. And so they're, they're always – they've always been looking that we need a revenue stream besides just selling TVs because selling TVs is not enough to keep the TV lights on. You missed a turn there, which is they all tried to convince us for a long time that 3D TV would drive an upgrade. We don't talk about that time. <laughs> Richard they, and I lived through that TV time 3D TV was together. underappreciated. It's a great way to watch NBA games. That is incorrect. What are you talking about? You can see the angle. Like the, the three-quarter angle of the court so that when people pass and when people many, shoot, it's very difficult NBA to see. games were ever broadcast in 3D? I watched all of them. Are you the person <laughs> wow. now? Was it, six? <laughs> it, was a, it was a few. So now all, all these leagues who are like – Put on your Oculus Quest and you can watch it like you're on the side. It's you. You're the one watching. Yes. <laughs> the the confidence, cool. like just the sureness of that. Yeah. We'll, we'll hang out at a virtual all-star game next year. It'll be great. <laughs> Can't it's going to be sick. Yeah. I will never – this is my favorite CS story and then we'll wrap this up because we're way over. Do you remember the CS where Sony had Taylor Swift perform? It was years ago. This, and this was before Taylor Swift was like Taylor Swift. It was yeah. Like, it was early on. So – I go in Vegas in the convention center. I sit down and they're like, Sony recording artist, Taylor Swift. And they gave us all glasses and we were not meant to watch actual Taylor Swift. We were meant to watch 3D TVs broadcasting Taylor who was right there. And they're like, look at this incredible demonstration of Sony's end-to-end 3D broadcast capabilities. And I was like, I'm going to watch Taylor Swift. Like, I, she's right there. How was it? It was incredible. But like they were like blowing glitter everywhere, like the whole thing. And like literally they were like, please watch the TVs. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> like absolutely not. They should have had her behind like a curtain and then slowly <laughs> raise the curtain. Like, reveal the You're like, oh, all. she's been here all along. It was like one of the strangest periods in all of consumer technology when they were like, people are going to buy the shit out of 3D TVs. I had they one. told – Taylor, I'm just trying to imagine the pitch where they're like Taylor Swift. So you're you're Taylor Swift, right? <laughs> you're Taylor Swift. Do you want to come perform? But we're going to actively tell everyone to not watch while you perform. It was utterly. This was like she's the, like deal. This was the high point of Sony CS. Like they never. <laughs> after that, they're like, yeah, we've got a handful of new action cameras. <laughs> Do you like Playstations? There's one over there. <laughs> like. That uh, short throw projector they show they every year. They love the short throw projector. It's the same one every time. They're like, yeah. oh, is this a new one? No. Wow. But look, it's cool, isn't it? No. <laughs> it's been there for five years. <laughs> they, have that, they have that special room. Yeah. It's like dolled up like an ultra minimalist living room. And they're like, this projector is only eight inches from the wall. And it's like, I don't know who has rooms like this. I wanna, <laughs> and like, it costs $100,000. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will never forget that. It was just like one of the strangest moments. How much do you think she got paid for that? Enough so that they had no budget for anything for years to come. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think it's like when Taylor Swift sends emails? <laughs> <laughs> this is what I need. She's on Tumblr. Like she occasionally is like, why haven't they ever inter- updated the Tumblr interface? Like she has to be. She definitely has like a custom signature. Like she thought about that. She with put like a picture at the bottom. Oh yeah, and like a like a really nice like inspirational blingy. quote. 
Oh, no. I guess you know, probably the inspirational quote. Taylor Swift buying a new MacBook to check out Tumblr and being like, why is there so much garbage in the dock? I'm never going <laughs> to use the numbers. Like, everyone has to have these experiences now. Mm-hmm. She's probably mad at Catalyst. She's like, my apps, they don't work like they're supposed to. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> She's like, these Electron apps use so much power. <laughs> Everyone has these experiences. Just sitting there when her, her Chrome tab hangs. Liam really wants us to stop doing celebrities using computers. <laughs> I've never seen him want us to talk about something less. Well, we're, we're, we're stealing from the episode we're going to do all That's about true. it. One Sorry. Full hour, Liam, one full hour of just us imagining celebrities doing mundane shit with their computers. <laughs> People, he's he's the wrap it up. Do you think she put it in tent mode at any point? (laughs) I'm sorry. He's just like Barack Obama being like, hey, Google. And Google's like, I've set a timer for you. Like, these things happen to everyone now. All right. That's enough. The common denominator. One, yeah. It's (laughs) universal. The common denominator is like shitty user experience. Like, you can't escape it. It doesn't matter how famous you are. (laughs) All right. I think we're way over. I mean, there's other stuff. I, I mean, I want to talk about this 97-inch OLED from LG that they claim can produce 5.1 audio sure. by vibrating the screen. But I think we have to go see it in person to, to believe it's true. I think we have to do a lot more than that to believe it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's I mean, like I sound bars. Sony, I have a Sony screen TV that does that thing. Yeah. I Sounds mean, good. Sound bars are always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Sonos sound bar is great. It'll do 5.1. No. It's three speakers in front of you. It'll do three speakers in front of you. That's what it'll do. It's three. Yeah. 3.0. Don't lie. <laughs> I'm just I mean, saying. yeah. I want to believe it. I want to believe it's real. All right. We're way over. Liam is incredibly mad at me, and I've run out of celebrities that I, whose names I can't remember. <laughs> if you can think of a celebrity that uses technology, please email Liam directly. He wants to hear about it more than anyone <laughs> in the entire world. Maggie Smith accidentally hitting the um, touch bar. Right. And activating This is Siri. what I'm saying. Sorry. Also, Sorry, Liam. Also, if you do a good impression of a celebrity using technology, please call the Verge Hotline <laughs> and do that impression for us. We yeah. will play it on the show. Dame Judi Dench accidentally engaging Control Center. Like, this has definitely <laughs> happened. <laughs> like, 1,000%. She's like, she just walks around with her flashlight on 24-7. <laughs> She's like, oh, my God, what are focus modes? <laughs> like, it's real. All right, we're wrapping this up. It's all over. We've gone way over. Richard, thanks for being here, man. He's real. He's real. He's a real person. I, I exist. You can you can find me on the internet at RJCC. I have a mediocre Apex Legends highlights clips to show you. There you go. There it is. You can tweet Alex. She's Alex H. Kranz. David is at Pierce. I'm at Reckless. That's it. That's the Vergecast. Rocking. And that's a wrap for Vergecast this week. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at vergecast at theverge.com. The Vergecast is a production of The Verge and the Vox Media Podcast Network. The show is produced by me, Liam James, and our senior audio director, Andrew Marino. Our editorial director is Brooke Minters. That's it. We'll see you next week. Thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. 
You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.